This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. Tourism and hospitality players have had a torrid three years in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, but the horizon is bright with the reopening of China's borders expected to further boost sentiment. With the tide expected to change in 2023, how is diversified hospitality player Trinidad Group planning to capitalize on recovery optimism? Joining me to discuss this today is Dato Indra Naresh Mohan, the Group President and Chief Executive Officer of Trinidad Group. Dato, welcome to The Breakfast Grill. Thank you. Good morning. Now, Trinidad Group started out as a cigar retailer 20 years ago, bringing in premium cigars from Cuba and the Caribbean to Malaysia. So walk me through the evolution of the business from primarily selling cigars to a hospitality and F&B management player. <laughs> That's going back some time. In my previous life, pre-2002, I was involved already in the hospitality industry by setting up the JW Marriott in Bukit Bintang. And the cigar business as well was also something that was running. Uh, how I sold those companies. And then in 2002, I set up Trinidad Group. And the first opportunity was uh, to distribute cigars again uh, throughout Malaysia. And uh, then in 2004, we had an opportunity uh, knocking on our door. Uh, I was approached by Best Western International, uh, and they wanted some representation. So we became the exclusive franchise for Best Western Hotels in Malaysia. And that ran for about 10 years, uh, where we were the, one of the top performers in Asia. Uh, we signed more than 20 hotels all over Malaysia, uh, some as a franchise, some as management contracts, and so on and so forth. You know, and they say one door closed, another door opened. So in 2015, uh, our contract with Best Western was, was finished. And then we moved on to uh, Wyndham. And uh, since then, we've been working very closely with uh, Wyndham and uh, expanding the portfolio for Wyndham in Malaysia. We're going to get more into your partnership with Wyndham. Um, but looking just at the different business segments that you operate in, you have quite diverse streams of income. So you have the hotel management, you have logistics, uh, and of course, cigars. So why have you chosen this diversified strategy with many seemingly disconnected elements? You know, we can cite the logistics uh, arm in the Philippines as an example. So mm. what's the thought process or business strategy behind that? Primarily, the logistics division was, uh, let's say, set up. For me, it was more like a step outside the same circle in to serve the hospitality industry in deliveries hmm. uh, that's required. In, in 2019, we also acquired stakes in Airbnb operators in Malaysia because I felt, again, uh, it's a disruptive business similar to Grab, if you like, uh, Uber, where, I mean, that business is not going to go away. It's, it's going to be here and it's going to stay. And, and we have to work alongside. So in an environment like Airbnb, you would need to have deliveries uh, because the customer pays on demand. When they arrive at the unit, the first thing they do is look for groceries. Mm. And so this will be delivered to them. So they could actually pre-order and it will be delivered to them and so forth. And I'm happy to say today we also have a B2B uh, section and a B2C division in the logistics business. So I see. We also do delivery of furnitures. We also do delivery of 
uh, uh, many either food items and parcels and so on. I see. And this is taking place in Malaysia. And it's operating in Malaysia already for okay. the past few years. Okay. Yes. All right. As well as in the Philippines. Mm. Talk to me about the contribution of these different segments to your overall revenue. Which are the biggest revenue streams? Well, the biggest revenue streams, I would say, is still in the hospitality sector. That's the core business of, of our group. Uh, logistics something we started, you know, four years ago. But it, it is a tough business, I must say. And, and, and as we get into it, uh, we're learning more and more about it. And we're slowly building it. We're in no hurry to, you know, take it listed or, or one or two. We're not trying to scale it up to an extent where it becomes another big animal that we can't control. Mm. But like I said, uh, for now, the, the, the hospitality business is the main driver of our group. Mm-hmm. The Airbnb side or the short-term rental business mm. is also a, a big contributor to the group. And these are the two areas that we are focusing on. Let's zoom into that hospitality property management, the mainstay of your business. And through your subsidiary, uh, Hospitality 360, you have a variety of lodgings under your umbrella. As we mentioned, you've got mm-hmm. the short stay, you've got the traditional hotels and service department apartments. So just to clarify, how many of these do you own outright versus properties that you're managing on behalf of an owner? Actually, we do not own any of the properties because we, our model is that of an asset-like uh, model. We rather not own the property. Uh, we either take very long-term lease on the property, but uh, mostly we manage the properties on behalf of the developer, mm-hmm. the owner mm-hmm. of the property. And in both segments of the business, uh, that is the model, whether it's in uh, short-stay uh, rental or in the hotel business. Let's talk about um, your partnership with Wyndham. So at, the, at present, you have several properties that operate under the Wyndham brand. That's Ramada Suites in KL, Shahzan Hotel in Kuantan. What made you pair up with this particular brand over other U.S. hotel groups? Truthfully, obviously, it's a lot about opportunity. They actually took notice of us when we were building the Best Western brand. Mm-hmm. So when we finished the contract with Best Western, they actually came and said, hey, we want to work with you. They are one of the largest uh, hotel groups in the world. And let's say they're more flexible in terms of of franchising and how we work with them. Mm. Uh, They're very supportive in growing our portfolio. Uh, So today they've appointed us as the preferred management company in Malaysia. To me, this is a big milestone, a big, uh, let's say, uh, endorsement for our group. You know, having one of the largest hotels company in the world say that we are the preferred management company, being a Malaysian company, we are one of the preferred management companies in this region. Preferred, but not exclusively, right? Not exclusive, primarily because uh, I think I don't want to be tied up uh, exclusively. I've done that before with Best Western, and I realized that there are many projects I could not do Mm. Because exclusivity works both ways, you have to remember that. So I decided, you know, we we do want to be free to pursue our own group initiatives and objectives. Mm. Uh, however, they've they've come back to us with a great proposition. So Shazan is a hotel that's a great example where uh, we get to keep our brand. Shazan is our our Sharia compliant, Muslim friendly brand, and it goes under what they call the trademark collection by Wyndham. Mm. Now, working with Wyndham, in reality, allows a a standalone hotel like Shazan Hotel, for example, to tap into the whole global distribution network, which is important. 
by chance, if somebody from, I don't know, Korea, or let's pick somewhere far, Peru, uh, who decides they want to come to Malaysia and by chance they want to come to Kuantan and so on, when they go into the global systems, when they go into the, whether by travel agency or whatever, uh, our hotel will pop up, mm. right? So therefore, you have now exponentially increased visibility mm. of your hotel to people who are on the other side of the world and they see your property. That's one of the reasons why you link up with mm. a global brand like or global group like Wyndham, Marriott, Hilton, they all offer similar uh, opportunities. Okay, so there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, and as you said, Wyndham is the largest franchisor of hotels in the world. But that said, it's arguable that they don't have a strong brand presence here in Malaysia. I think um, Marriott Bonvoy has 41 options versus Wyndham's nine in the country. So what are your strategies to overcome the fact that um, this brand isn't as well recognized as other international hotel brands? Well, I suppose that's why Wyndham came to see me, right? Because if you remember, I said in the 90s, uh, we were the first Marriott property. Marriott has been in Malaysia now for, you know, close to 30 years. Wyndham, uh, we started bringing their brand here in a very, uh, let's say, coordinated and serious manner after 2015. So today, we've already have close to 10 properties that we will be rolling out. Some are already in operation and we have some more being rolled out this year. We have another five coming up this year. Well, another thing I would like to say, maybe I missed out, was Wyndham is, the, let's say, the holding brand, the, the, you know, the main company that's listed on the Stock Exchange of New York. But under that umbrella, they have close to 16 other brands. So Ramada is, for example, one of the other brands that they have. Days In is another brand that they have. And in this part of the world, Ramada is actually a much stronger name than Wyndham. Wyndham, for example, is strong in the U.S., in, in Australia, maybe in China. Uh, but in many other parts of the world, Ramada is equally, if not stronger, than the Wyndham brand. So when we work with Wyndham, we are open to all these brands. We are, we, we are allowed to explore uh, brands other than Ramada, mm. right? So when we signed the collaboration agreement with them to work closely together and develop uh, all the new projects uh, coming up, this will be across different brands uh, that is part of the Wyndham collection. Give it a couple of years, and I'm sure we will definitely be up there with the Marriott's and Hilton's uh, in terms of numbers and room count and so on and so forth. I'm One of the targets confident. that you mentioned under this deal is um, you want to achieve a portfolio of 5,000 rooms by 2027. Is this based purely on the strategic partnership with Wyndham or is this a target that also includes collaborations uh, with other partners? As you said, you're keeping your options open. Um, what is that contingent on? Well, like I said, we don't have an exclusive with Wyndham, so our options are always open. Uh, but nevertheless, main consideration is the collaboration with Wyndham. Hmm. Uh, I would assume these 5,000 rooms uh, will be signed with Wyndham under the different brands. Like I said, if they come across where we have a hotel which has a different brand and we could still put them under the trademark collection. Mm. Uh, so it'll be a balanced portfolio of different, different brands. 
But yeah, this 5,000 rooms is a serious target we want to it's achieve. It's ambitious. Thank you. Four years' time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to Dato Indra Naresh Mohan, the Group President and Chief Executive Officer of Trinidad Group. When we come back, we'll delve into some financials and also what's the outlook for the industry from his perspective. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me today is Dato Indra Naresh Mohan, the Group President and Chief Executive Officer of Trinidad Group. Now, earlier we were talking about the hotel management side of it. I would like to talk about um, short-term stays. You know, these are typically seen as competing with each other for customers in a way. Um, You operate Stay Suites, a short-term rental management platform um, that has an inventory of a thousand rooms or so. Does success in this segment um, come at the expense of the other in your experience? I honestly don't think so uh, because I think the demographic of the, of the guest, of the client is somewhat different. I think it is a new sector in the industry that uh, has opened up over the past, I don't know, five years or so. It's the needs of the guests at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. There are many people who travel and they want to stay in hotels. But there are also many families that actually prefer Airbnb because of the fact that they can rent an apartment that has three bedrooms, four bedrooms, so a the kitchen. family can be together, they have a kitchenette and so forth. So it gives them a lot of convenience uh, when they travel, home away from home, if you like. Okay, uh, so there is a market for that kind of um, accommodation option. Are margins higher in short-term rentals versus hotels? It started out very much so. Uh, the margins were slightly higher and so on because obviously the cost of running a hotel is, is, is a lot more in the Airbnb because it's uh, based on strata title units and so on. Your expense is limited within the unit. So maintenance is very small, if you like. Uh, no, no big maintenance cost. You don't worry about the common corridors and the common property uh, that is uh, throughout uh, the public spaces, if you like. Uh, in Airbnb, you don't necessarily offer any F&B and, and so on and so on. So the, the operating cost is very low. Hmm. And I suppose that's why it, it, it's taken off and it's very appealing to the younger set of people. Because it also, it has a low barrier in terms of entry, you know, in terms of operating this business. But obviously, I think going forward, things will change a little bit. In what way? As in, uh, will it become less attractive to go for short stays or more? No, I think... Uh, it needs to be regulated, if you know what I'm saying. So, And I think the government is looking at this uh, seriously because obviously there are also some negative sides to this. Uh, for example, if you operate a short-stay rental in a very private residential area and, and it disrupts the residential community mm-hmm. of that building, those are something, you know, you don't want to get a bad image. The business should not get a bad image because of this. Mm. You know, so I think uh, I would recommend where they concentrate more on commercial buildings, uh, commercial areas. And I think there is immediately already now a law that says uh, the JMB of the building can vote against short-stay rental if they choose to. Mm. But obviously, you should not uh, stop it because there are many buildings that are being built in Malaysia which are meant for investment purposes, right? So there are many people who uh, already live in their home, in their community and so on, and and now they want to buy another property as an investment Mm. and they want to see returns. Mm. And therefore, this business, 
allows for that. We okay. actually give good returns back to the owner. So you, in a way, you see this also as a potential means of alleviating any property overhang as well, given that there's there's that problem. Uh, yep. This is a way that uh, could mitigate that. Um, I want to turn our attention over to um, your financials. You mentioned that um, you're an asset light business. You don't own properties. But according to publicly available financial records, your assets and liabilities have grown significantly since uh, 2015. I think if we take the most recent filings from December 2020 to June 2022, mm-hmm. I think we saw non-current assets um double to about 28 million ringgit um, and your non-current liabilities uh, tripled mm. to 68 million ringgit. So how do you account um, for this? Well, it, it, it stems from the expansion that we've been going through, right? I mean, in, in 2015, we were operating one property uh, that was leased out uh, under our group. Again, asset light model. Uh, we do a revenue share with the owner. And we had maybe uh, two more under pure management agreements. In 2019, we were very fortunate to have the opportunity to work with the MAA Berhad, uh, where they came in and took over 51% of the company. Uh, so today we are a subsidiary of MAA. And they have provided a lot of funding for us to grow our business uh, very quickly. So in this few short years, we have grown from two hotels, three hotels, to now to over a dozen hotels. Mm. Now, some of these hotels, we have taken long leases because we feel it's a great opportunity. And we have, uh, let's say, uh, provided funding for refurbishing those hotels. So that's where the growth in, in like assets and liabilities and so forth okay. has come from. Uh, primarily due to the investments that we've put in. Now, bearing in mind for us, we are, we are quite calm about it because we have a 30-year lease, for example. So we know that we will recover back this investment mm-hmm. and then over time, we will profit from it. Okay, so profit is in the picture because according to at least SSM Records, Hospitality 360 has been making losses uh, before taxes since as far as we can see back to 2015. So um, what is your strategy then to return to the black? You're growing, but uh, you know, what's, the, what's yeah. the rate of return going to be? The key point here is how do we uh, run our business? And we're looking at it in a more longer term hmm? uh, situation, right? So, And we've been investing or shall we say spending a lot of money in building up our infrastructure and getting things right, hiring talent that we want to keep, that we believe can contribute significantly as we grow. And obviously, you have to remember running a one, uh, one property or two property uh, hotel versus running 10 properties is, is a very different way of doing things. Mm. Uh, so today we've invested a lot in our central office. And of course, right now, we're not covering all those costs uh, yet. But we believe in the next two years, this will grow because once we have crossed the 10 hotels uh, mark and so forth, we have truly got an economy of scale, right? Once we cross, let's say, 1,500, 2,000 rooms, 
that volume is going to be huge enough in terms of management fees and so on to pay mm. and, and then we will be definitely profitable. Okay. This is going to be predicated though on that um, recovery of travel and tourism that everyone is talking about. But uh, I don't know. Are, are hoteliers being a bit overconfident about the return of tourists? Um, given that uh, we are also talking about a global recession looming on the horizon, I mean, um, what's your outlook in that sense? Do you think that uh, we'll actually, you'll actually see the volume of visitors that you need to make this um, profitable? Well, I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic, you know. Uh, in fact, maybe leaning more towards optimistic than anything else. You have to remember, we've, we've gone through a very, very difficult time. We are literally on our knees, right? There's only one way, up. And that's why we are also, as a group, very, uh, let's say, aggressive in, in our expansion because we believe you know, as a businessman, we look for opportunities. We look for good deals, right? So today, there are many good deals on the table. Mm. And if we don't take them now, we'll regret it later. So, yes, there is talk about uh, looming recession. But I think it will be more about Europe and America. In Asia, where we are, in Malaysia, I think uh, Southeast Asia being a big contributor to our tourism. Middle East is another big market for us. China, India... These are big, big markets that contribute, I think, close to 90% of tourism arrivals are coming from those source markets, right? So if you look at it from that point of view, when we opened our market last year, we were very fortunate at that time, even though China was still closed, but we had Southeast Asia and India. And that propped the market up. That gave us the big occupancy that led us to a good time the last quarter, mm. let's say, was important for us in, in terms of growth. Uh, now, going forward, China has already announced that they, are open, they have opened up. And I think that momentum will continue. Okay, so you're Go- riding on all these tailwinds, hopefully, um, yeah. that's going to boost the Correct. economy. Labor shortages, that's been a really dominant theme um, for the hospitality sector. How mm-hmm. much are you affected and what are you doing about it? Oh, we definitely, everyone's been affected during the pandemic. A lot of people who normally work in the industry found other sources of income. Mm-hmm. So they're not coming back. I think we've lost easily 30% of the workforce. What's your we, solution? So in, in our group, uh, we have started to invest in technology. As I told you just now, we've created a central mm-hmm. operation office. Uh, we've learned to become much more efficient in how we do things. We've introduced robots for menial tasks like delivering uh, items to the room and so on and so forth. Uh, How much does that move the needle, though? I mean, every little bit helps, you know. I think we cannot expect to completely transform in in one go, but uh, I'm very confident we are heading in that direction. I think also the the workforce realise that times are very different now. Hmm. A lot of them have to do... Uh, multitasking, you know, so we actually provide a lot of training for that and it's an opportunity for them to grow, mm. to earn a little bit more. Uh, if you look at it as a whole ecosystem, everyone understands what's going on and everyone has to do their bit. Um, let's end with this question, Adato Indra. Um, what consumer trends, I guess, do you see in the hospitality industry? What do you think is going to take the sector by storm over the next few years? What are you preparing for? Well, I'm very excited about uh, what we're building right now. We have an app or, let's say, a platform that we're building for tourists to actually go on and book 
hotels, airlines and everything on, on one platform. Doesn't that already exist though? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you have different platforms. Let's say, uh, for example, if you look at AirAsia, they are looking at it from an airline perspective, right? There are some who go for attractions and so on. Whereas we are not aligned to anybody, so we're building a platform, a holistic platform for all the different parts of the business. Our focus on the tourist itself. Eventually, I think the trend going forward is all about sustainable tourism. People are going to look at, you know, how you do things in your hotel and so on. What are your green policies and so on? Uh, they are looking for experiences. They are not looking for shopping anymore. I mean, today shopping's gone online. Mm. They may come and shop for a day, and then the rest of their stay is about experiences. Mm. They want to go out. You know, I was just talking to some people from India, and they were telling me. You need to promote more Malaysia outside of KL because they only know KL, Genting and Penang. But we have so much more. We need to focus on the eco-tourism that we have. We have abundance of that, you know, and all the different experiences that they can have in Malaysia. All right, Dato Indra, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you. I've been speaking to Dato Indra Naresh Mohan, the group president and chief executive officer of Trinidad Group. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.